There are two readings today. The first one is a wonderful, yet straightforward, in some sense, story. The second reading is much more obscure to understand, but it's much shorter also. So the first one is on page 1029, um, 1029, and it's John 20. And it's the section Jesus appears to his disciples. That's shortly after the resurrection. So John 20, number 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of anyone, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was, one, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again. And Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And the next reading is on page 1071, which is a few pages over. It's Romans 8. So Romans 8, page 1071. Uh, it's life through the Spirit. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was made powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful humanity to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in human flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. These are the words of the Lord. Let's welcome uh, Adrian. Thank you for uh, the work Adrian has uh, put into preparing this sermon. And thank you for these uh, passages of Scripture of John and his amazing reflection on your life and of Paul on his study and insights into what it all meant. Lord, we pray that uh, we'll get similar insights and inspiration as Adrian comes to speak to us this morning. Be with him, Lord, and may we hear your voice through his words. Amen. 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 Good morning. 
Okay, now I've been here since, you know, nine, had the morning service. Y'all got a bit of a lion, so good morning. Oh, uh, you are awake. Hopefully you'll stay awake. Um, I can't promise, but that's my goal. Um, as was said, my name's Adrian. I'm the minister at Gambling Gay Baptist Church, uh, and I do bring greetings as we read in Scripture. You know that every church sends greetings. Gambling Gay Baptist sends their greetings to you guys as well. Um, I am married to Amanda, the most amazing woman on the face of the planet. No offense to any other woman in this room. Sorry, but you're just not as cool as Amanda. Um, and we have two lovely little girls, uh, Lilia, who's six, and Evelyn, who, well, almost six, and Evelyn, who's almost three. And we're expecting our third uh, in June as well. So we're a growing family. Um, they're unfortunately not here this morning because our youngest uh, decided to have fun in the middle of the night and spike a fever. Um, so they're all at home trying to um, keep the fever at bay. Got in a text and apparently all seems to be okay. So, But they do send their love and blessings as well. Um, so it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, I'm, I was excited to be invited. Um, so excited to be a part of your series. Um, I am a child of God is something amazing. It's an amazing concept. And today specifically we're looking at forgiven and accepted. And part of me is kind of, you know, they're, they're huge concepts. But at the same time, they're quite difficult to our faith. I mean, as Christians, we hear about forgiveness on a regular basis. We hear about being accepted and loved by God on a regular basis. In fact, that's how we tell people about Jesus. Oh, did you know that no matter what you've done, you're forgiven, come on through the doors. But the question is, do we really know what it means to be forgiven? We know what it means to accept that forgiveness. I think they're big concepts. And to an extent, it's simple. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not die but have eternal life. And it's through Jesus' death on the cross that we are forgiven, washed clean, made righteous, that we can stand before the Lord and that only holds true because of the resurrection. So praise God, amen, Jesus is alive. Done, I'm forgiven, right? Should we just go home, eat some food? In, in, in one sense, it is really just that practice. Do I need to swap mics? Are we okay? There's like a, I'm gonna keep on going. I'm just, that's cool. Apologies if it's disrupting you guys. Hopefully you can focus in with me. Um, our minds don't necessarily work like that. We can be told something repeatedly over and over and over and over again and still not take it in. So one of the things I, I share with you guys is that our little Evelyn last week um, had a bit of an issue. Evelyn and Lilia, both the girls, know that we love them, know that accidents happen, know that anything can be fixed as long as we love them. My wife is not an angry human being. I'm not, I might look like a big ogre, but I look it. I'm not it. And so we constantly speak into their lives. Hey, it's okay. We love you. It's all right. Last Sunday, I went off to church early because I usually go set up some things. And Amanda was with the girls. And Evelyn was pushing some buttons in that morning, as toddlers do. If you're a parent, you probably know that feeling and that experience. And she then decided to ride her hobby horse um, through our bedroom. And how she did it, but somehow managed to spin and hit a plug. Now, that's not a big deal, except for the plug then proceeded to rip out the entire socket. And when I say rip out, I mean where there should be three holes, 
There's one big hole. I don't know how she did it, but she did. Amanda was a bit upset because it was, you know, the final button pushed. And when they walked into church, I could tell something was wrong. And Evelyn knew that what she had done wasn't right. Even though it was an accident, she was like, oh, my goodness. And when we got back, she didn't want to tell me. So when I walked up, I was like, I'm going to, no, no, Daddy, no, no, I don't want to tell you. No, you can't tell you. Well, why not? Because it was wrong, and I didn't mean to. And I'm like, but it's okay. It's an accident. Did you do it on purpose? No. Okay, it's fine. We'll fix it. But no, don't look at it. But it's fine. I love you. I lo- regardless of what you've done, I love you. And then finally got past that piece with her. And then my father-in-law came with a replacement socket in the afternoon. And then we would play the scenario with, with gang gang. The cutest way to say granddad, let's be honest. Gang gang, gang gang, no, gang gang, no. Even though she knows that she is loved, that there's nothing that she can do that's ever going to make us stop loving her, she felt like, oh my goodness, it's an accident. We forget, it's a piece of plot, it's fine. And much like Evelyn, I think oftentimes we stand like that before God. We get it. God tells us repeatedly not to be scared, repeatedly to trust, repeatedly that we're forgiven, yet we don't always believe it, don't always own it. The fact was that for for Evelyn, she still needs proof. She still needs proof that she's forgiven. And I wonder what proof you might need for the same things. Our first reading this morning was included that of doubting Thomas. And, I mean, as much as you're trying to reclaim Thomas, uh, the twin as opposed to doubting Thomas, it, it ends, I think, is a great lesson for us because why was he doubting Thomas? I mean, he walked with Jesus. He walked with the other disciples. He was there in the thick of it. You'd think if the other disciples said, mate, Jesus is back, that would have been good enough. Like if somebody in this church, because you guys are friends, you guys are in fellowship, came to you and said, did you know that so-and-so just happened? You'd be like, really? That's awesome. But you'd still have some doubts, especially when it's talking about, you know, you, he rose from the dead. And so Thomas has those doubts. But what does Jesus do? I mean, Jesus has every right to say, are you serious? I am the Lord. I'm the Messiah. You will believe me or go somewhere else. But he says, okay, well, what is it you need? What do you need? Well, I need to put my finger in the holes, and I need to put my hand in the side and pause. That is weird. You know what I mean? How weird is that? Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go pull it. What? That's just messed up. But that's what Thomas needed. And Jesus, with all his grace, says, all right, go on then. Can you imagine the the vulnerability of Jesus as well to kind of go, this is awkward, but go ahead. Yep, your hand's inside me. Oh, that's weird. But it's to give him the proof he needs. And the proof that Thomas needed was to confirm what our faith hinges on, that of the resurrection. Because the thing is, if, if we don't understand and believe the resurrection, if we don't believe that Jesus rose again, then he is just, well, either a nice moral teacher or an absolute lunatic. <laughs> And the thing is, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt why I believe the resurrection to be true. I can tell you that I've done, I've, I've, it didn't make sense to me. How, like, it's, we're talking about death back to life. So I've done the research. I've, I found the, I didn't find the witnesses per se myself. You know, I didn't talk to them. That's a long time ago. But 
I looked at the eyewitness accounts. I looked at the history. I looked at everything. I went, it only makes sense to you. Do you believe the resurrection because that's what you've been told in truth is truth? Or do you believe the resurrection because you heard for yourself? And I start there because that is the fundamental piece to believing anything else. Accepting the fact that we are children of God. Accepting the fact that we are forgiven and accepted will only come when you can accept the fact that Jesus rose again. Because if not, you're not forgiven. If he hasn't come back to life, then he's still, he's still in the tomb somewhere. And the thing is that we also know that as Christians, we're called to go share the good news, to go tell people everything that Jesus taught us, to baptize them in the name of So when you go tell other people and they ask you, so this, this resurrection thing, is it real? And you go, yeah, absolutely, totally real. Why? Um, well, because this guy at church said it was, and I mean, I believed him. Because he went to, he, he, he did some studying in theology and he did, that person's going to turn to you and be like, thanks, I'm out. Do you know why you believe what you believe? What proof do you need? And if you need proof still, this is the amazing thing. If you need proof still, bring it to Jesus. Because <laughs> Thomas needed proof. And what did Jesus say? Go on then. The weirdest proof ever. <laughs> he said, go on then. And the reason I go there is because and that foundational point before we can even move on. But I do somewhat digress. <laughs> so Thomas needed proof of the resurrection, which is, in one sense, it should be not only just proof for Thomas, but it should also be proof for us. Not only of his resurrection, but the fact that we are forgiven and accepted because Jesus taught forgiveness. He taught that we are welcomed into the kingdom, that through him all have access. He taught that so... In one sense, we could kind of say we're done. If you believe the resurrection, you believe the forgiveness, go on and take it, own it. But again, our brains don't work that way, do they? So we're not quite there yet. What proof do you need, though? Because there's going to be something stopping you from believing the fact that you're forgiven if you're not believing it. Or there's going to be something stopping you from believing the fact that you're not accepted into the kingdom. So I can't tell you what that is. You need to ask yourself and then figure out what proof you need. And then pray into it and believe it or not. You might hear an answer this morning or you might find a conversation with somebody. You might just turn to scripture and find that answer. But you need to be honest with yourself. But then we go back to the theme. I'm a child of God. Do you believe that you're a child of God? Do you believe that you're a child of God? Our Romans passage this morning is and. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip one through four for a second and just read the rest of it. We've heard one through four, but I want to read the rest because the rest really gives us so much. Verse five picks up and it says, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mind set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind Governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. Pause. Understanding that you are forgiven has nothing to do with the flesh. It's not going to be a mental thing because you can be 
grasp it. You can repeat it. You can understand it. But it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. You can have the head knowledge. That's that kind of like, yes, I'm forgiven. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. I understand it. But in your spirit, do you understand it? Have you prayed through it? Do you have the, those? Because if you don't, you're living in the realm of the flesh. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, whoa, massive, if God lives in you. And if anyone, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit who lives because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For you live according to the flesh. If you do, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I love this bit. Ready? 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. It's not because you come to church that you're a child of God. It's not because you even read the Bible. It's not because I can declare it over you. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. Those who are seeking God in everything, who are dropping down to their knees and saying, God, where next? Those who are so filled that every step, those who are led by the Spirit. So are you led by the Spirit? And I know that's like a challenging question. People want to throw something at me right now. What do you know about me, Adrian? I'm not judging. Please hear, I'm not judging. I'm just asking a question. I, have a, I ask myself the same question all the time. Every day I wake up and I go, Adrian, is this day going to be a day that you're following God or is this day going to be a day that you follow your own ideas, movements? So if I'm doing the latter, I'm not being led by the Spirit. But then it's because of that. It is because we're adopted into the kingdom. Because we are children of God. It keeps on going. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If needed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Did you hear that? Co-heir with Christ. You're a co-heir. Do you walk around owning that? That as you're led by the Spirit, as you've given your life to Christ, as you, you are... You, everything that is owed to Jesus is owed to you because you are co-heir. You're adopted in because by the cross, by Jesus' death and resurrection, you are forgiven, you are accepted, you are made clean, you are led by the spirit that is poured out on you. Are you going? You are co-heir with Christ. Now you might be thinking, well, what does it have to do with being forgiven? Well, the reality is Jesus was sinless. Yet he took everything for us on the cross. And as he washed us clean by his blood, we can step into the presence of God. 
forgiven. And the fact that you're a co-heir definitely ticks the box of being accepted. God says, come on. I've not only accepted you into the kingdom, like you're not just going to sit in the outskirts, but you're going to come sit at the banquet table with me. Come on, let's go. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're a co-heir with Christ. Now, the thing is, the thing is, because it's not of the flesh, spirit, they say it's a spiritual battle. And this makes some people uncomfortable. Because the reality is, is that anything that you hear that is not truth is of the enemy. The moment you hear that you're not good enough, the moment that you hear that you are not Christian enough, that your past is too messed up, those are lies from the enemy. If we believe in God who is almighty, all everything, then we have to believe what he teaches and what he teaches is that there's an enemy out to steal, to destroy, to lie to you and take away that inheritance, take away your title of co-heir. The enemy's gonna try and stop anything. So the moment you say, well, I'm not really forgiven. I'm only kind of forgiven. Other people can be forgiven, but not me. That's a lie from the enemy. And then how do you fight the lies? Well, you can only fight lies with truth. You only fight lies with truth. So you gotta hold on to the truth. Well, how do you hold on to the truth? Well, it's like ABCs, and I love this. I love this. Everybody in here know the alphabet? Let me try one more time because I think you fell asleep. Everybody in here know the alphabet? How did you learn the alphabet? <laughs> Elemental people, but how did you, you probably learned it as a kid, probably because of a parent or a teacher. You probably learned it with a cool A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, no, just me? <laughs> the thing is, you learned it, and so if I said to you that jam is in the alphabet, you would be like, well, not really. It's, it's not a letter in the alphabet. It's, it's a word comprised of letters in the alphabet. So you can't just go A, B, C, D, jam. You know that truth because you know the alphabet. If I said that the order of the alphabet was A, B, C, D, X, Y, Z, you'd be like, no, 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 time out. That's not the, those letters are in the alphabet. That's a lie. That Because I know that the truth is A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. Y'all say Z, I say Z, but we'll agree to disagree on that one. But the fact of the matter is, you know the truth. Yes? Because you were taught it, because you spent time on it. And the thing is, so with, with Evelyn, our lit list, when she started learning the alphabet, she said, A, B, C, D, L, M, N, O. No, 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 no. I love you. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Okay. H, I, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, L, M, N, O. No, 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 no. A, B, C, D, you repeat it. You don't look like that. You go back into it. You dive into it. So what are the truths? Quite simply, this is the truth. We dive into the word. We live in the word of God. So that when the lies come against you, you go, no, 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 no. I know the truth. Now, the thing is, that's really simple to say, know the Bible. How are you going to know it? I'm going to wake up every day. I'm going to read it, but not just once, because I don't want to get it right the first time, so I'm going to go back and again, and again, and again, because this is the word of God. And so, all of a sudden, when I of, you know what, God will forgive everybody of their sins, but not mine, you can stand in truth and say, no, 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 time out, no. Because actually, in 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, all who confess their sins 
will be forgiven because he is just. And then it goes on to say, not only, not only will your sins be forgiven, but I love He will purify all unrighteousness from you. Not just some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. But if you don't know that truth, if you don't know that to be true and real, if you don't know his word, then you'll be like, oh my gosh, he can forgive me. He's not going to forgive me. No, all who confess, who confess their sins will have their sins forgiven because he is just. We got to know our truth. We got to live in the word. Not some unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. But then he goes on and I'm, I'm going to start wrapping up because I know I'm out of time. And I know you're going to like, I got a roast. I want to go home. But the thing is that forgiveness, accepting that truth of forgiveness, because our first part of Romans says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. No condemnation means you have nothing to be worried about. You are fully forgiven if you are in Christ. You hold that truth. So whenever, whenever you hear the law, you can't, you hold on to that. But the thing is, we also read in Scripture that we're called to forgive. And this is, this is one of the ones I never memorized, but I'm having to now. Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, If you other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. <laughs> Flipping heck. And the thing is, I don't know why I'm surprised when I read it. Because our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, whichever version. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We like to gloss over that, don't we? Because what we're saying when we pray that is, God, I want you to forgive me the way I forgave Johnny for beating me up the other day. I haven't really forgiven Johnny because I hate him. I'm never talking to him. He's an absolute jerk. And that's how I want you to forgive me. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Because I want to be forgiven by God. So there's a responsibility in actually receiving forgiveness but there's a responsibility in receiving it, knowing the truth of it, that we also have to give it. We have to give that forgiveness as well. And I know that's heavy. And I know you don't like me right now. That's okay, I don't like me right now either. But the reality is, is that it's truth. That's truth. We can't argue with that. So we're forgiven and accepted as children of God, co-heirs, it says, but then you're going to turn around and say, well, I can't do it by myself. I just can't do it in my own strength. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I just cannot do it. And you're right. You can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. We cannot forgive other people. We cannot accept that forgiveness 100% by ourselves. We can't do it because we're broken, because we're sinful. But this is what's really, really, really cool is that we are told to live by the Spirit. In, in the NIV version of Romans 8, 1 through 17, which we've kind of been jumping around this morning and our, first, our second reading came from, the word spirit, referring to God's Holy Spirit, is used 22 times. Now, for those of you not paying attention, verse 1 through 17, 17 verses uses the word Holy Spirit 22 times. Now, 
How? Why? Well, the law of the Spirit sets you free. Righteous require, the righteous requirement of the law has been met for those who live according to the Spirit. People that have their minds on what the Spirit desires. Those led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The whole time that Paul is talking to the Romans, he's saying, for the record, because of the Spirit. Our first reading, right before we jumped into doubting Thomas, breathed his Spirit into the disciples and said, now go and forgive people. And if you forgive them, they are forgiven. He didn't just say, all right, guys, go out in your own strength, do it. You have, no, 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 he went, my spirit allows you to forgive. My spirit allows you to share my spirit. Are you seeing, are you seeing what I'm saying? So are you living led by the spirit? Are you living filled by the spirit? Because when you're filled and led by the spirit, you will find it easier to forgive. It'll still be hard, but it'll be easier you will find it easier to accept the fact that I'm, I know that I'm a broken human being, but you know what I know for a fact? I am forgiven and accepted. And that took me years to come to, to terms with because I just couldn't see value in my life until the Spirit revealed it to me. And the Spirit can do it directly to you through other people, through the, right this now, this moment, this moment right here, later on when you're at McDonald's or when you're sat across a roast. If you're being led by the Spirit, accepting God's guidance in everything, but that's hard. That's tough. But then I'm going to read 1 through 4 one more time. Romans 8, 1 through 4. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Paul starts, before he goes on to talking about the Spirit, to say, it's done. Jesus did it already. He did it. It's done. It's sorted. You are forgiven and accepted. Now the question is, can you accept and receive that forgiveness? Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean that because you're forgiven and accepted doesn't mean you don't have stuff still to work on. You're still a broken human being, so am I. And the fact of the matter is, in the Christian world, we talk about sanctification, which is a big Christian word just to say, being made more into the image of Jesus. That's only done by the power of the Spirit, but until the day I die, I'm being made more into the likeness of Jesus as I submit to God, as I let the Spirit lead me. So you're not, you're not there yet, you're still broken, I am too, but guess what? You are, in fact, forgiven. That's the truth. That's the, that's the reality. You are, in fact, accepted. By, by declaring Jesus is who he is, giving your life to him, you are accepted into the kingdom. The rest are lies of the enemy that you have to stand against. You're forgiven. There is no more condemnation. It's done. It is finished. And the cool thing is that God is reaching out to every single one of us, but also everybody else in this world. Every Muslim, every atheist, Everyone who stands against him, God's reaching out. God is constantly reaching out. But we need to take the step forward. And so even this morning, he's reaching out to us. And there's some of us this morning that have struggled with that acceptance of a child of God, that acceptance of being forgiving. Some of us this morning are struggling with all of that. And I want to say to you, 
It's yours. Through Jesus, it's yours. Right now, it's yours. You are forgiven and accepted. Can you accept and receive it? If you can't, you have to ask yourself, what is stopping you? What proof do you need? Because you are a child of God. You're forgiven and accepted. The reality is it's now our turn to figure out if we're going to accept. Transition into a bit of time of, of reflection and worship. And I don't know where you walked in this morning. I know some of you guys, and I don't know most of you guys, and I don't know if you were like, I hate that talk. It was rubbish. I don't know if you're like, you know what? Wow, just, boy, hit me right there. Wherever you are, I know that regardless of the words that came out of my mouth, God wants to meet with us this morning. God wants to meet with you. And so I'm gonna close this in prayer. And if anything that was said this morning even resonates with you a little bit, I would love to pray for you, but I'm sure there's other people that would love to pray as well. Don't walk out of this place not receiving prayer. If you are struggling to accept the fact that you are in fact a child of God, forgiven just by simply saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, then let's pray into that. Let's figure out what proofs you need because you know what? As you figure them out and as you ask Jesus, he's gonna reveal himself just like he stood in front of Thomas and said, go on. So with that, let's pray. And be open to what God might want to do. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are who you say that you are. God, we thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I thank you that you have made us in your image, God. That you have made us to love, to be in community. That you have made us to be in relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you have made us to be people who question, who dig deep. Lord, I pray that we have the strength and the courage to step out and, and dive into the big questions, to look into them, God, to seek you in all things. But Lord, I also pray that we be able to have the faith to believe your truths, God. I believe that, God, you have so much for us, but we often turn our eyes away from you. And so, Lord, may we be led by your Spirit. As your spirit is breathed into us, poured into us, God, may we follow everything that you have for us. May we move in the direction that you want us to go. May we always remember that we are forgiven and accepted. Yes, we may have work still to be done by your spirit that will come, but Lord, that we are yours. That as we are led by your spirit, we are children of you, co-heirs with Jesus. So Lord, this morning we just ask for more of you. God, we ask that you pour out your spirit afresh or for the first time. God, we pray that you speak to us more, God, than we've ever needed in past, right now, God. Lord, I pray that whatever doubts we have, Lord, that we be able to bring them to our tongues and, and confess them to you, God, that you'd be able to speak into them. May we not be a people content to just sit in a seat. But Lord, may we be people driven by your spirit, forgiven and accepted into your kingdom to sit right there next to Jesus. And it's in his precious name that we pray.
Amen.